0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds plot destruction Death construction in the fields of bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwash mind. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the national community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Wool This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Wool This Week, a broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on. 3CR, <coughs> .au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3 crorgau My name's Joseph Skane, and I'm the one who's coughing. That's right. We don't actually have pretend coughs. We have real coughs. You think, why don't you push the cough button? Because I don't want to, all right? Now, if you wonder what Anarchy's all about... <coughs> Anarchism is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures, (coughs) which are based on equal decision-making power and which give people equal access to wealth. And why these two concepts of equal wealth and equal power? Very simple. It's inequalities in power and wealth, which which give rulers (coughs) the ability to dominate our activities. So, listen in. Today's election spectacular. I understand there's going to be an election this weekend, the 18th of May. Just in case you've uh, missed all that yellow advertising around the place, there is an election. There is a big election. And, you know, some people vote, some people don't vote, some people vote informal, some people vote for the Labor Party, some people vote for Liberals, some people vote for, the you know, Mr 19, some people vote for the Greens... You know, and we think that this is what democracy is all about, is casting a ballot every three years to elect a representative to make decisions for us for the next three years. Now, you may have noticed there's a lot of promises floating around, and I understand that the uh, electorate of Karangamite in uh, Victoria, (coughs) taking in a little bit of Geelong, and north of Geelong, the Liberal Party has promised every single voter 26,500 Not personally, but in terms of things they're going to do in the electorate. So it's good to see that (coughs) pork barreling has (coughs) not finished, that it's uh, a good sport, pork barreling. Why pork barreling? Because they used to keep pork in barrels and it was salted and it went on and on and on. Okay, the election spectacular. You know, I'm going to talk about the missing elector. This has been a very strange election campaign. I've been involved in every federal election since 1988 and before that. I mean, before 1988, I was involved in don't vote campaigns. In 1988, I was involved in a vote informal campaign. I was told it was illegal and I'd be prosecuted. I was. Uh, it was found that it wasn't illegal. Then they changed the law to make it illegal. And then I've been involved in different campaigns over the years as a senator, a House representative candidate. I think I was the... House Representative of Canada in the electorate of Dunkley three years ago. But this is the first year I've actually sat back and I've just looked at everything uh, developed. And why is, why is that? Because I'm more interested currently in getting public interest before corporate interest registered as a federal political party. And that means we need more members. We need about another 150 members on the federal electoral roll. So if the election campaign has left you kind of a little bit uh, sour-faced... I did notice Luding's cartoon today kind of showed a, few, a lot of sour-faced little cartoon characters. Well, maybe you should think about joining public interest before corporate interest. Go to our website, pibci, net. Have a look. Download the application form. Not on a computer? Relax. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489 leave a contact address and we'll send you out some application forms. So, the Forgotten Elector. This is a fascinating election campaign because it's been fought, obviously, by the two major parties and the Greens and a few of the other neoconservatives that are around, like things like the Australian Conservatives, Mr 19, Mr 19's party. You've still got Divided Nation and then you've got United Nations, the Yellow, the Yellow ones, and it goes on and on. But the interesting thing is, It has been a very, very well-controlled political campaign and that huge slabs of the Australian population have been written out of this play, this election play. For example, think about the 8 million Australians, about 30% of the population, who rely on social security benefits to survive not to get uh, uh, franking credits or negative gearing uh, things or family trusts, but the 8 million Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive. How many major political parties and minor political parties have you heard talk about this? 8 million people. How many of the policies and promises that have been made Look at the day-to-day issues which face the 8 million people on Social Security benefits, people on unemployment, New START allowances, people on people on old-age pensions, people on single parents' benefits, people on disabled, disabled benefits. Think about it. I mean, we've spent the last three years, the Liberal National Party has spent the last three years denigrating the 8 million people on social security benefits in this country. And when you look at the policies of the most, most major parties regarding these forgotten Australians, the best that we can do is maybe that if the Labor Party is elected into office on Saturday, that they may, will review the new start allowance. I mean, think about it. 8 million people. Shunted aside, maybe because they haven't got any cash, forgotten, not talked about. And while we're not talking about people, how about the First Nations people in our community? How many people have you, how many candidates or the major political parties have you heard talk about the questions about a treaty or questions about uh, closing the gap? And the list goes on and on. It's as if they don't exist. Now, obviously, climate change has got a bit of a guernsey at this election. It's got a bit of a guernsey. There are people out there worried about, you know, the human race disappearing off the face of the earth. I'm not one of them, but there are people worrying about that. And climate change or the climate emergency has got a bit of a guernsey in this uh, federal election campaign. This is an election campaign that's been fought basically about the top 8% of people in this country. This is a federal election campaign that's been fought about negative gearing and's been fought about dividend franking credits that's giving people cash handouts for owning shares. It's that simple. You know, you can do whatever you like to it, but that's what it's about, it's about giving people cash for owning shares. It's as if the whole election campaign revolves around their needs. And to a large degree, this is how they'd like us to you know, conduct this election campaign. Look at the margins, look at the fringes, work on that. Talk about the so-called economy as if it's something that's got a life of its own. It's not. All the economy is is the relationship between people on this continent. And they call this an election campaign. Where's the vision? Where's the vision for the future? Where is it? Is it because our political representatives know that ultimate power doesn't lie in parliament? It lies in the boardrooms of transnational and national corporations, most of them owned you know, by overseas uh, interests do they really realise that and that they're basically little puppets who can only promise so much, who can't make major changes as far as the country is concerned? It's as if some people just do not exist. They don't exist in the economic uh, framework of this country. They don't exist as far as the cultural norms of this country is concerned. They don't exist as far as the political debate is concerned. And the tragedy is that many of these 8 million people who are on social security benefits somehow think that by voting in this election that their condition will change. Now obviously the ALP and the Liberal National Party have different policies on wages growth different policies on penalty rates, and it looks like if the ALP is actually voting into office that uh, workers in this country, especially workers on lower wages, will get a better deal than they, ha- than they have today, despite the screaming and posturing of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. But think about it. Think about what the issues have been during this federal election campaign, think of all the issues that we could have actually looked at. I mean, why do eight hundred thousand young Australian children live in poverty, and what are we going to do about that? Why do we still have over a thousand people in Manus Island, Nauru, who've been there for six years for the crime of seeking asylum in this country? Why is there no talk about nationalising the resources industry in this country? I mean, why should we give up what's in the ground to some corporation or some Clive Palmer in order that they will pay a few royalties and employ a few people? Why can't we as a community... Develop these resources and use the profits for the good of each man, woman, and child on this continent and the islands surrounding this continent. There's no debate about that, is there? Business as usual as far as corporate Australia is concerned. So some people are going to lose, you know, their negative gearing. A few people are going to use lose about twenty, thirty thousand. People are going to use their franking credits. So what? We're the big ticket items. We're all told about tax cuts and how tax cuts are somehow going to improve you know, the economic condition. Well, how about increasing the tax take? I know that the Labor Party is making big on the fact that over the next 10 years they'll uh, raise an extra $154 billion. That's $15 billion a year, which is not much from a budget of over $400 billion a year. That's about 3%, or about 3.5%. Not much, and they're talking about removing some real perks like negative gearing and uh, franking dividends. But how about the introduction of new taxes, which captures captures corporations which pay no tax? Things like a one percent stock market turnover tax. You could raise about thirty billion dollars a year—that's three hundred billion dollars in over a ten-year period—if a one percent stock market turnover tax. And if you're worried about mum and dad investors, you could actually, you know, um, make provisions not to include them. How about a 1% turnover tax for corporations and companies that have a turnover of more than $2 million a year? So all these companies, which are now paying no tax by creating these fake, you know, uh, subsidiaries overseas and channeling profits to them, well, they'd be caught in this one percent turnover tax. That could bring in a hundred billion dollars a year. You know, that's real increases. That's an increase of twenty-five percent from four hundred billion to five hundred billion. The amount of money that could be spent over a twelve-month period in this country. No discussion about that. How about a discussion about removing, uh, removing the ability of large corporations? To actually claim GST as a tax deduction, did you know that? You go and buy. You're on a social security benefit. You go buy a a litre of milk. Oh, there's no. You buy something in which there is a GST. Obviously, there isn't GST on food. You can't claim back that GST as a business expense. But if you're a large corporation and you've got to buy stuff that's got a GST, you can claim it back as a business expense, 100 percent. You could raise under 20 to $30 billion a year. So you can raise taxation if there's a will. Think about it. Think about all the things that the major political parties and the minor political parties haven't been discussing during this election campaign. And I said before, you're interested in politics, you want to make major changes. Interested in electoral politics, well, why don't you think about joining public interest before corporate interest because after the 18th of May and nobody's going to care about you for the next three years, mate, and mate S's. That's the way parliamentary democracy works. You give a representative a signed blank cheque, they're going to parliament. Their major first responsibility is to their party because they're the ones that have pre-selected them and then possibly to the electorate. And if they don't keep one promise during that three-year period, what can you do about it? Go to the polls three years' time and elect another three other people unaccountable people. And then on top of that, you know that real power doesn't lie in Parliament. It lies in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations. If real power lay in Parliament, do you think we would have 8 million people in Social Security benefits living the life they live today? Do you think that we would have working poor in this country? Do you think that we would actually have homeless people in this country? Do you think that we would have an underfunded public education and a public health system in this country? Think about it. 24 and a bit million people living on a continent. A continent. And we can't even look at the needs of the people. Look at the juvenile justice system around the country. We treat juveniles in the most atrocious manners, putting them in adult prisons, removing what few rights they have, because there isn't enough resources to look after their needs. We're told that. You know why there isn't? Because people aren't being adventurous in terms of turning the tables on that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Think about it. And if there's one election which highlights where real power lies, where we've had an election which basically involves about 8% of the population, if we're lucky, well, you look at this election campaign and you look at the so-called major issues that are being pushed by the political parties and the legacy media as well as the uh, social media. Look at it. Just look at it. Now, there is one good thing about this election campaign and one very good thing. We are seeing the death of the legacy media, the Murdoch, Murdoch Empire. This is the first time since the mid-1920s that a aspirant to the lodge in Canberra has not gone begging to Mr. Murdoch in order to win their support to win the election. Now the Murdoch legacy media has been responsible in this country for campaign after campaign after campaign. Which has kept hundreds, kept millions of people in poverty, which has reduced wages, which has marginalised, you know, uh, gay people, which has led to the criminalisation of trade union activity in this country. And they have been responsible for some of the most evil obscene analysis that I have seen but the thing is with social media irrespective you know of how the anonymity of social media can make people go a little bit crazy their influence is beginning to wane their influence is beginning to wane And if it wasn't for the yellow mob, you know, if it wasn't for the yellow mob, the United Nations, whatever they call themselves, United Something Party, if it wasn't for the yellow mob, they would have sunk without trace during this election campaign because people aren't advertising in their garbage. And it's interesting to see how the major political leaders have basically picked and choose who they'll speak to and when they'll speak to them because they've now realised that they can reach out to the population directly through social media. So if there is one good thing about this campaign, is about Mr Bill Shorten not going capping hand to Mr Burdock and say, please, can you support me? And that's why we've seen the Murdoch media degenerate into a propaganda rag for an ageing, Corporate boss who continues to think that he can dominate political, social, and cultural activities in this country. That's one good thing about the 2019 election, as far as I'm concerned. Let's move on. Ah, Mr. Trump, El Presidente, President Groper. you got to hand it to him. The boy knows how to pick a fight. He knows how to pick a fight, but he actually doesn't know how to apply a killer punch. You know, when you go to the pub or you're outside and you get some buffoon comes up to you, half drunk and picks a fight, and before you know it, the buffoon's on the ground. Well, that's what President Groper, Trump Groper, reminds me of. Now, he's picked a number of fights, and I'll go through them. Because I think it's funny. First fight: removing the United States from the Paris Accord. Didn't like the fact there is an environmental crisis or climate crisis. Didn't like that fact. Doesn't believe in it. So he removes the United States from the uh, Paris Accord and says, "Keep burning that coal, boys and girls. Keep increasing that carbon, di- carbon dioxide emissions." One fight. Second fight, one he's having a bit of trouble with, trade war with China. And that's right. He reckons a little bit of bluster and bluff, he'll stare down the Chinese Communist Party, which is a long history of oppressing its own people. Remember they killed over 10,000 during the Tiananmen Square Massacre in 1989, their 30th anniversary is coming up in early June. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. They're very good. You think they're going to be stared down by some buffoon masquerading as a president? Obviously, he was elected by this, by the American people. So a trade war with China. You've got, a tra- you've got a war, environmental war with the world, trade war with China. Then you've got this proxy war in the Middle East, which has been fought by Saudi Arabia, one of the most oppressive, evil, offensive regimes on the face of the planet. He's getting sucked into that day in and day out with this, uh, you know, this uh, business regarding trying to contain Iran. Pulling out of the agreement to ensure that Iran didn't become a nuclear uh, state. And if one thing the Iranians have understood is that the only way you're going to survive is by having nuclear power. And then we have the charade of the North Korean accord with the United States of America as far as denuclearizing North Korea. Now good old the old good good old rocket boy has been playing Groper like a fool. Obviously the Chinese Communist Party is not going to allow North Korea to fall in the orbit of South Korea or the United States of America and that accord has turned out to be a shambles. Then we've got the consequences of his trade war with China, where it's the American people who are beginning to feel the pressure with the price of consumer goods going up, and the farming lobbying finding they can't export their garbage. to China, and the list goes on and on. So here's the poor bloke fighting on four fronts. He, he, sounds, he seems to be punch drunk. So think about it. Think about what's happening. What's the point? What's the point of any of these disputes? What's the point of denying climate emergency? What's the point of a trade war with China? What's the point of supporting Saudi Arabia, one of the most offensive, authoritarian, evil regimes on the face of the earth? And what was the point of, you know, having a dialogue with North Korea when you know it's the Chinese who actually pull the strings as far as North Korea is concerned? So all I can say is, well, welcome to the world... 2019 style Listen to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia Via the Community Radio Network This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au That's 3cr.org.au My name's Joshua Scone I've been hosting today's program Here we are Let's keep going Let's keep going Now Now Now, oh yes, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. And as I said before, if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, we're interested in registering as a federal political party by the end of the year. And what does it give you? What advantage does it give you? One, it allows you to have a – you can put any candidate anywhere you like, as the yellow mob has shown you, if you've got the money to – Pay for the registration fee too. It allows you to have your candidates above the line in the Senate election. So it does give you a lot of advantages being a, a registered political party. All right, let's move on. Now, I know people don't even know where Sudan is. Well, it's in North Africa, just below Egypt, okay, next to the Red Sea, next to Libya, and the list goes on and on. Now, there's been a popular social revolution, In South Sudan, which has been going on now for a number of months And yesterday things came to a head And I'll give you the background again Now President al-Bashir ruled Sudan with an iron fist Introduced Sharia law In conjunction with the uh, Islamic Brotherhood in Sudan in 1989 Pursued a war of destruction in Darfur in the west of the country, which killed over 200,000 people about a decade ago and also was involved in a civil war for South Sudan, which lasted over 50 years, which resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of people. South Sudan, you know, has got its independence, going through its own problems, but as far as Sudan is concerned, popular protest not only drove, forced the military to oust al-Bashir from uh, power, It also raised the question of Sharia law and the overthrowing of Sharia law in Sudan. So currently it's a little bit of a stalemate. The military is divided about what to do at the protest. The younger officers who are asked to pull the triggers are not willing to pull the trigger to kill the demonstrators. The demonstrators are unarmed and have been surrounding the military headquarters in Khartoum now for over 3 months it's now Ramadan which is the holiest month in the muslim calendar and most sudanese are muslims and many of them would be uh, fasting during Ramadan and uh, yesterday a so-called rogue militia shot from one of the two bridges across the uh, blue nile in Khartoum and killed four de- killed four demonstrators one military officer, and wounded over 100. Now, everybody thought that the demonstrators would just disappear. But what's happened is the anger at what's happened has been so extreme in Sudan, especially Khartoum, that the military council, which currently rules the country, the Interim Military Council, has been forced to lay charges against the former dictator, Bashir. But don't get your hopes up because this is a long struggle. It's a bit of a stalemate. Now, on one side, you've got the new military ruler, who's head of the military, military council, uh, Abdul Fattah El al-bo, al-bo, Borani. And to ensure that the uh, armed forces uh, does not revolt, Mr. El Borani has invited. Mohamed Hermati, to be the deputy head of the current military council. So who's this Mohammed Ma- Hermati? Mohammed Hermati is the leader of the Janjawi, the devils on horseback, those men who are responsible for the atrocities in Darfur a decade ago. And all these militias have now moved into Khartoum. In order to stop this social revolution This is not just an economic revolution Although it started off as an economic revolution This is a social revolution about transforming the country And it was good to see yesterday That the people of Sudan Will not be cowered by rogue militias Who just fire into crowds In order to frighten people from defending what they need to defend, so keep your eye out on this situation because it will get bloodier as the months drag on. It is a bit of a stalemate. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates keen to see the retention of Sharia law and keen to use the Sudanese military as their, uh, you know, as their uh, infantry. In Yemen and other parts of the Middle East, have been pouring money into Sudan in order to stabilise the economy. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. But this is a social revolution in slow motion. Keep your eye on it. It's a long way away. But it does have profound implications for the Middle East because in the Middle East you've got three forces at work. You've got the old feudal monarchs, and most of the Middle East is run by feudal monarchs or dictators, most of them are supported either by Russia or the United States of America, mainly by the United States of America. Then you've got the Islamic fundamentalists through the uh, brotherhoods in most of the countries and other Islamic fundamentalist countries who basically want to you know, roll back the clock to the glory days of the uh, caliphate. And then you've got the people. You've got an increasing number of people who don't want dictatorship or Sharia law. And they are mobilising across the region, whether it's Algeria, whether it's Iran, whether it's Iraq, whether it's Sudan. Don't forget that all this started in 2013 when people said enough is enough because the oligarchs and the feudal monarchies and the dictators that uh, basically dominate the region dominate for one reason, to fill their own pockets at the expense of their own people. So this is an ongoing struggle that we see around the world, whether it's in Australia, where we see 8 million people in Social Security benefits ignored in this uh, federal election, whether it's Sudan, where things have moved much quicker than most people expected. It's the same struggle. It's the same. It's the struggle for economic equality and the struggle for human freedom. And that's what the anarchist struggle is about. It's the struggle for economic equality and human freedom. It's human freedom and economic equality which creates the conditions for an egalitarian community where those people involved in a decision make that decision where wealth is held in common. And that is the goal of all anarchists for all time. Now those of you, those of you who somehow think, sometimes I get a little bit, what's the word? Puzzled. Well, I'm puzzled most of the time. But I am puzzled. You now, I noticed Mr. Bill Shorten, Prime Minister in waiting, got a little bit upset when Mr. Scott Morrison, the current Prime Minister, claimed China was a customer. So they should show a little bit more respect to the Chinese government. And I thought to myself, what respect? What respect have successive Australian governments shown to people who interact with the tax department, interact with the social security system? What respect are we shown as residents and citizens when we're called customers? I am sick and tired I've been referred to as a customer by a government department. It's all very well for the Prime Minister-in-waiting, Mr Bill Shorten, to make a hullabaloo about Scott Morrison calling China our customer. How about the Labor Party promising... To ensure that interactions that we have with federal government departments are based on the concept of equality, that we are citizens and residents, that we have rights and responsibilities. We're not customers whose only right is to complain. We are citizens. I find it offensive to be called a customer, to have a letter sent to me saying, Dear Customer, this was a specific ideological push to change the relationship between the state and the citizen into one of customer and retailer, it was an ideological shift that has now almost become universal in the public services interactions with human beings in this country. And we all interact with the public servant in one way or another, whether it's through taxation, whether it's through social security, whether it's through the courts. We are not bloody customers, we are citizens with rights and responsibilities before governments understand that we are not customers you know they need to understand this and they will continue to call us customers if we allow them to I never allow anybody to call me a customer unless I'm a customer of a corporation which is rarely let's move on now public education has been a little bit of a uh, election issue as I said, this is our Election Spectacular. Anarchist Will this week, Election Spectacular. Now, i just got a few facts and figures here. And I know facts and figures kind of bore people because these these days we just make up our facts and figures because there's nothing like a good, misinformed uh, set of, uh, set of uh, uh, figures to get the blood boiling. But, you know, we really need to go back to facts and figures. I know it's pretty boring. You know, thinking that, you know, the sun revolves around, the earth revolves around the sun. I know it's pretty boring. It's better to think that it's just a flat piece of garbage. And I know it's boring to think that uh, citizens should have rights. And I know it's boring to think that we should be treated with respect in this country. I know it's boring. I know it's boring that we shouldn't have poverty in a country of 24 million people on a continent which is resource rich. And I know it's boring. There's not enough public housing to go around There are people who are homeless during this winter Across the country I know it's all very boring stuff But these are facts Now a few facts regarding the public education system You like that? Public education system Now I love the public education system I'm a product of the public education system Maybe that's why they're trying to close it down I never went to a private school in my life Now Over the last decade, federal government contributions per student to the public sector have increased by $155. Over the last decade, Commonwealth government contributions for each student in private schools, have increased by $1,429. Not my figures, the figures of the Grattan Institute. Institute you can trust, because they still believe in that old-fashioned concept of fact and figures. So one decade, Commonwealth funding increases to per public student $155. Over one same decade, Commonwealth... Increases in funding to private students one thousand four hundred and twenty nine. Well, you know that the federal government basically funds private schools, and four fifths of all pub four fifths of all education funding from the federal government, which has the right, the the sole right to levy. Personal taxation in this country, 80% or 78% of the last decade has gone to private schools and 22% has gone to public schools. Now I know that uh, state governments are responsible for public schools but since the High Court decision in the late 1960s that declared that uh, Commonwealth Government funding of private schools was constitutional, we have seen the federal governments, successive federal governments, both Labor and Liberal, pouring tens of billions of dollars into the private school sector. If I had the track record, if an anarchist organisation or any other political party had the track record of sexual abuse of children the Catholic Church has in Australia, and these are facts once again, which are fleshed out through a royal commission. Facts, not rumours. Facts. There is no way that I'll be entrusted with one dollar of public money to keep that private education sector ticking over. But when it comes to the Catholic Church and its schools they are almost fully funded by the commonwealth government extraordinary isn't it just extraordinary but this is this is Australia in 2019 forget about this fair go garbage it is garbage, and forget about us being an egalitarian community, and forget about us caring, in inverted commas, as a society. I mean, the only thing we care about is maximising profits, irrespective of the human, social and environmental cost. And although there have been some interesting issues during this federal election campaign, like the climate emergency, the need for increased renewables, the Murray-Darling Basin, the need to uh, give back people their penalty rates and the list goes on and on, there has been really no debate about major changes to this country's infrastructure. No real debate about new taxes that can be forced out of a corporate sector which is so bloated and so greedy that it basically pays voluntary taxation. Almost 70 cents in every dollar of taxation revenue that is raised in this country is raised through personal taxation. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, if you're one of these people who votes, and I congratulate you, when you vote... Can I give you some advice, unsolicited advice? Think about the policies. I know it's about facts, not emotions and feelings, facts. Look at the policy and say, is this policy, will this policy benefit that community or is it about protecting individual gain? And if you look at the Liberal National Party coalition policies, I don't think there is one policy which benefits the community. I don't think there is. If there is, let me know. I'll retract the statement after the election on the 18th. But I find it very hard to see a more lacklustre cam pain in the history of federal elections than the campaign which is being fought by the Liberal National Party in this country. Because it's not about a campaign about, you know, raising new issues. For example, then Prime Minister caught down the hop, knowing that he hasn't got any real policies. It's about, you know, the bill you can't afford. What a slogan, the bill you can't afford. I assume the Yellow Brigade gave him that, uh, that slogan, but the bill you can't afford, right, You know, a play on the name Bill Shorten, really. Come on. Makes dad jokes look funny, that one. But the bill you can't afford. It's all that seems to be it, you know. That seems to be their campaign. But in, you know, in the last moments he thought, aha, let's help kiddies buy a first home. Now, I've been uh, involved in the public housing campaign now since uh, December 2016. And our slogan is very simple. And again, it's a state-based slogan. Use, uh, use uh, money that's raised via stamp duties to build public housing. You can house 20,000 Victorians and 20,000 Australians within the next decade. Get rid of the public waiting list in, in, in a year. And the list goes on and on. You get more people in public housing. You have uh, competition between the public and private housing sector. Uh, rents decrease because fewer people need to rent privately. Rents decrease property prices drop at the lower end of the market bingo young people can actually access the property market and afford the uh deposit but no uh, mr morrison i think this is a you know this is a, what they call a captain speak as far as policy is concerned well mr morrison mr morrison mr morrison very intelligent man very intelligent man Couldn't answer the question initially whether gays go to hell or not, but that's a different matter. He did later on the next day. I mean, you asked me, do gays go to hell? Yep. Do liberal politicians go to hell? Yep. Does Joe Toscana go to hell? Yep. We all go to hell. You know why? Because the only hell we've got is hell on earth. There's no hell when we die. But getting back to Mr Morrison, he says, Oh, we will ensure that young people, right, if they raise 5% of the deposit, we will guarantee the other 15%. Not give it to them, but guarantee it. Mm, everybody says, well, that's, that would affect about 8% of first home buyers because last year there were 110,000 first home buyers, not 10,000. Two, could you, pay, could you imagine paying, um, paying interest? repaying a 95% loan. Pretty tough, mate. And if housing prices continue to fall, before you know it, you owe more to the bank than your home is worth. And unlike the United States of America, and this is where I got a little bit of praise for the United States of America, if the equity in your home drops below what you owe, well, you can leave the key behind and piss off and say bye-bye. And you can't be chased for the extra. In Australia, it's different. Your home falls in value. You sell that home. You can't pay back that home loan. You'll be bankrupted. End of story. They will follow to the end of the earth for that last dollar and cents. That's the way it is. So, Mr Morrison, if you're really going to talk about improving the ability of first-home buyers to actually access the market, and we're talking about a purely capitalist marketplace, what you need to do is fund public housing. The Commonwealth Government needs to be involved in the funding of public housing. A strong public housing sector means less people need to rent in the private marketplace, increases competition, rents fall, housing prices fall, more people are housed in safe, secure housing. Very simple. But it may not fit the ideological spin of the major political parties who to a significant degree are there to maintain the status quo. Now, there is a pent-up desire for reform in this country. I have felt it now for the last 18 months. There is this pent-up desire for reform. There's this pent-up desire to move forward. For the last two decades, especially the last decade, we have been stuck in a quagmire of our own making. We have been dancing to the beat of the conservative neoliberal drum. And it's all been about you know resisting change that needs to be made in our society, it's about maintaining the status quo. This is what the climate wars are all about. It's about ensuring that a few corporations that dominate the resources marketplace continue to dominate the resources industry. That's what it's all about. And when you get to the question of euthanasia, eighty percent of people want people to have the right to, you know, end their lives, at, you know, if they need to. Or if they want to, if they find themselves in an incurable situation, no legislation. Then we've got the struggle, you know, the so called drug war. It's about time we decriminalise drugs. No discussion about that during this federal election. It's kind of supposedly spells the death knell. When you've got 80% of prisoners in prison across the country there because of drug related crime, much of it. Uh, not involving uh, violence to other individuals, you begin to understand the length and breadth of the problem. Extraordinary. So where are all these debates? They're not there. They have not been there. We have had the forgotten elector, and the forgotten elector has basically been the majority of people in this country. This has been an election about the top 10%. About them either having their advantages stripped or maintaining their advantages. This is what the election has been about. It's not been about the 30%, the 8 million Australians who are in social security benefits. It's not been about first home buyers. It's not been about public education. It hasn't been about public health, although they have talked about improving health care outcomes. But it's a All been about this fake economy. A fake economy which has nothing to do with the day to day reality of most people who are trying to do the best they can the best way they can. This has been an exceptionally disappointing election campaign. Disappointing for the fact of all the people that have been left behind, all those forgotten electors. All those needs, whether it's public housing, the 30% of Australians on Social Security benefits, First Nations people in this country, other minority groups in this country, no discussion, no debate. It's all about franking credits, which affects about 20,000 people, and negative gearing, which affects about 8% of the population. So when you cast that ballot, if you haven't already, think about Community benefit, individual gain. You can vote for individual gain. You can vote for community benefit. You know, you you may not even turn up. Who knows? So it's all up to you. Think about it. Think seriously about it. But remember, at the end of the day, you get the government you deserve. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast live by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3CR, 3CR, dot That's 3cr.org.au. That's right, 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. This program has been brought to you courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Few websites, you can go to pipsy.net, download the application form to join public interests before corporate interests. You can go to the Public interest before corporate interests. YouTube channel. Just put public interest before corporate interests. And hey, presto, my pretty face will be there. You'll know who to chuck darts at next time you you see me on a poster. Not personally, please. Uh, you can actually write to me. Yes, I do answer letters at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. It goes on and on and on. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Become a friend. I need virtual friends. I was thinking of charging people $5,000 to become a friend, but then I thought, what would they get in return? Nothing. That's what happens with virtual friends. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Remember, facts still matter. Remember, feet On the ground still matter. We are not involved in a virtual life. Life is real. We have real consequences. Take it in your hands. Change the future. It's up to you. Listen to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network next week. And if you like the program... Let them know at the Community Radio Network. If you don't like the program, well, let Mr Morrison know. You know why you should let Mr Morrison know? Because he may not be there in a few days' time. You can then write to Bill Shorten. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Anarchist World this week. Listen to us next week on the Anarchist World this week. That Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, YouTube... Public interest before corporate interest. Twitter account, yes! I've forgotten. Underscore AU. Who knows? Find it. See you next week. Evil minds at plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.